All right, so I'm back from uh, my trip to Israel with uh, my son. I had a really great trip. I try to make this a yearly event. I take one of my kids with me, just daddy and that kid, and we have a great time. We get to focus on that kid and all that his or her uh, likes and preferences and all that stuff. So the kids, each of them really like it a lot, and they don't fight with each other. It's a really nice thing. So I, I highly recommend this. Because there's only one of them. It's only one of them, right. There's no you know, competition going on. And I got this idea a long time ago. I, I dated this girl uh, when I was in my 20s, and she was one of eight kids. And she said in passing, just, just in passing, Ari, that she remembers New York. Uh, she had never really gone to New York very often, but she remembers New York well because her dad took her, just her, alone on a weekend to enjoy New York and see a play, and that she never forgot that, that it was a really special weekend um, and made her feel special and everything else. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to do that when I'm, when I'm a dad. And sure, sure enough, here I am. I mean, it's, now, she was one of eight kids, so no doubt that made her feel especially special. <laughs> but for me, uh, for my kids, uh, you know, even, even if you only have two kids, I think it's a good idea. So, um, anyway, I, I highly recommend it. We had a great time. Now, uh, changing topics now. So, there was a, a friend of mine, is, uh, his son was checking out middle school. So, we're all checking out middle schools right now because I have a daughter who is in sixth grade and she's checking out middle schools. Anyway, she went to this very progressive school. I won't name the school. But it's here in West Los Angeles, so it's not uh, not too hard to figure out. It's probably one out of uh, ten schools, private so schools. So one out of ten, very progressive. Right, exactly. Schools. There's, there's so plenty of them. You so won't be able to guess it because it's just going to be one of those. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> and if it's not and one of those ten, one of the other nine will have a similar. Incident, right, right. I'm sure. And, and what I'm about to say is nothing place. has. It, it won't even be shame. I think it's a great shame on them. It's a great shame on them, but they they'll they'll take it as <laughs> a great side of, of you know, yeah. <laughs> a source of pride. So here it is. So they go in and what they do, and, and I think this is a clever idea. Most of these middle schools do this. They they let these sixth graders who are, are look, looking to go into seventh grade. They they have like these fake classes with the teachers talking about, let's say, chemistry, uh, history, whatever it might be. Uh, and this kid goes into one of these fake classes, and the teacher there, who's a regular teacher at this school, um, shows some a photo and asks, it's creative writing, they ask the kids to do a, uh, you know, ask any questions about this photo. And what is it? It's a photo of a man throwing a bouquet of flowers, but it looks almost like a, in a violent way, right? Like, like Antifa, you know, uh, he, he wasn't having a bandana in front of his head, but you get the idea. And so this kid who is a friend of my daughter's says, oh, I, you know, it makes me wonder what this man is thinking. Is he, is he angry? Is he uh, jealous? Is he, what, what, what is his intent with the flowers? And right away, the teacher jumped on him and said, uh-uh-uh, we don't say he. You are presuming that that's a man, but you don't know that he's a man. And then the kid said, but he's a guy. <laughs> he's a man. And he's even got a beard and everything else. No, no. And they shamed him. And they said, you know, we say they uh, here, they, they is throwing 
the flowers. Okay. <laughs> the kid As is I like talk to the English teacher about <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. The plural non-plural sentence. Put put that aside for oh, a second. Sorry. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's Bye. crazy. Yeah. It's craziness as it is. I agree with you, yeah. but that's not the point. No, it's Orwellian. The main mission yeah. is to tell him uh, you know, and 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 they used him as a prop saying, "You see how he's doing this? How he's making these assumptions? How bad that is? We don't do that here." Oh. Uh, we are more elevated. We're more pro- progressive. And the kid left feeling very shamed and uh, didn't know what to do. I mean, the the teacher could not care less how he was making this kid feel in a society that supposedly cares about how kids feel, right? That's its feelings uber alles, but not for this kid. So anyway, that's where we are. So I was telling this to my other son, my older one, who's 14, uh, and how crazy this was. And, and thank goodness we go to a much more conservative school uh, for him. And anyway, he joked around and he goes, you see, that's why we need an apocalypse. <laughs> and I thought, oh, it was, it was so funny. Um, yeah, you know, we could use a little apocalypse right now, right? Yeah. The advantage of, of an apocalypse, I mean, disadvantage, obviously. God's is that work on it. The advantage, the disadvantage, of course, is that we would be destroying all the things that that we've worked so hard to achieve. But on the other hand, where we would get rid of all this crap, you you think that we would be, we would be talking about you know assumptions regarding gender uh, when we're rebuilding the world after a great apocalypse? Of course not. But it, it feels sometimes, doesn't it, Ari, that that we need some sort of like. A re, re, uh, rebooting, maybe not an apocalypse, but a rebooting of society. Like, let's figure this out. We've gone the wrong way. Something has gone awry in the programming, and we need to go, get back. Look, I had a not a, we, they. Oh, for sure, that's true. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know, but and it, I'm not using to some that extent, as a gender pronoun. I'm using that as a over there them. I know what you're talking not about. us pronoun. I know what you're talking about, and and I. But to some extent, even we, because we have we the conservatives, although we understand that God is important in our lives, although we understand that uh, you know free market God centered uh, conservatism is the answer. We haven't really fought for it in the right way. I think, I think if we had gone back, we as conservatives, with all the knowledge we now have in the year 2019, and started seeing the craziness in the early 60s, and even to some extent the 50s, and how people are talking about how you know, man, a woman doesn't need a man like a fish needs a bike, you know, whatever, uh, and all the kind of mantras that they were laying out, we would start... Attacking this much more aggressively back then, well, we would. Yes and no. I I think we would have. Forget the left because the left isn't the problem. The problem was moderates on our side. Yeah, that's Instead what I'm saying. Instead of Bill Buckley throwing out the John Birchers, who turned out to be right about everything. Yep. He would have attacked the George Romneys and his idiot son <clears> Mitt <throat> and his. It, you know, the, all these antecedents, McCain and Lindsey Graham before the reboot. These are the problem. Uh, there was an interesting <clears throat> column a few days ago about how, oh, finally conservatives have figured out we are at war and it's time to make war. And Trump is the sign that making war works. 
Okay, I, I get it, I get uh, it. But we haven't made war on these people, and as a result, we've been sitting on our asses, governed by the Romneys and the McCains of the world, and then they've had free reign on That's us. why we need an apocalypse. Right. <laughs> right. But anyway, uh, so, so let me get to, the, to another point, which is very related to this. So I was talking to a good conservative friend of mine who lives in Hawaii, of all places, so she has it even tougher than we have it here in Los Angeles. But she was saying, and I think correctly so, you know, because she's seeing the front lines there even more in Hawaii than it is in, in Los Angeles. And she feels like saying to these people, look, are you tired of this? Have you figured it out now? Have you now realized that we need to go back to God and, and conservatism? Um, that we tried your way, didn't work. Have you, have you figured it out not, not to go back to, to the right way? And I told her, that sounds nice. It sounds really correct. The problem is that they, and again, not the gender, yeah. right, we're, we're, that they, the other, this that, audience knows yeah, yeah. what you're talking about. That they, the, the left, has no idea that that is the alternative, right? It's not as if they're going to say, look, it's not like you go uh, the wrong direction on a freeway and you start saying, oh, okay, we, we went the wrong direction. And you see that there's another direction on the freeway to go. You know, there's, there's the other side of the freeway that will take you the other direction. It's not like that. They don't have any other direction. They, it's, we're so far away from God-centered reality that that is the reason why we are where we are, why America is so successful, why it's the beacon of liberty and all the great things that we now enjoy. We're so far away from it that we forgot that that was the cause of it. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, there came a pharaoh who knew not Joseph, right? There's no uh, what it's a collective memory of, of what an alternative was except to, to the extent that they make the argument that it was repressive and evil. Yeah, and you're saying that in, in the context of to them. Yeah. To us, we know there's... We know that was the right answer. Yeah. There's a, a perfect mini-example of this the other day. You were out of town, but did you hear how LAX has made changes to how taxis and Uber yes. pick up? Yes. And it was a total failure. Rather than just saying... And this is just classic liberalism. Going back to Reagan, used to talk about this: the more the planners, the more the plans fail, the more the planners plan, right? Right. And and those are the exact words in Elizabeth Warren's speeches. Every other word is plan. They implement this idiotic plan; it fails. So rather than just going, okay, we'll get rid of the plan, we'll figure something, and we'll reverse it and go back to the way it was until we figure out how to not have a disaster. Right. They go, well, let's just tinker around the edges of the plan and we'll make the plan, plan, plan. Well, right. right. The two examples of yeah. that are very easy, and we don't. I don't want to drill down too much on that because I want to get back to where we were. But uh, Obamacare, right. right, where they say, well, so yeah, let's fix it. Let's tinker around the edges like you said. Yeah. Uh, another good example, very good example, is the homeless crisis, right? So... Uh, a friend of mine who is now fighting this in Venice, which is just ground zero for all this, uh, she says how they, they their answer is, and she's actually politically involved, their answer for everything is, well, let's build structures so that they can live somewhere. And then, of course, the homelessness doesn't go away. Just, in fact, it accelerates. Yeah, and then, it then their, answer, the, yeah. their answer is more uh, more infrastructure, more uh, buildings to, to house these homeless. <laughs> And it's just like you're saying, they, they, they cannot fathom an answer other than their more ridiculous answer. And they can't fathom an answer where the, perhaps the answer is with God, 
right? I, the more I live on the planet, I'm now 56 years old. The more I live on the planet, the more I realize that everything should have God in the picture. Everything. I, I'm, I'm thinking of mundane things, even like going to the beach, even drinking a soda, even going to the bathroom. There should be an awareness of God in the picture. Even in Judaism, I don't know if you know this, but I just came upon this, that you're even supposed to say a prayer after you go to the bathroom. Yeah, you're supposed to thank God for having everything work and close. Yeah, yeah, open, open, and, open and close. Okay, yeah. exactly right. That all the uh, well, apertures yeah, the and... toxic out of me. All the apertures and all the other things that they're working just fine. Thank you very much. And and thank you. Because, you know, if, you, if it didn't work, you would notice that. You would talk about it all day long. Yeah. And um, so... There, there's prayer and everything, and God is in everything. God has, is a source of all things, and you just can't compartmentalize God uh, on just on Sundays or just on Saturdays. It, God is everywhere. God is in everything, and and the more you do that, and that's the way it was, by the way, back uh, in the 1950s and earlier. The, the church was the center of every main town. That was it. You know, it was literally the center. Yeah, it wasn't funny. People weren't lonely. People weren't struggling yeah. to meet the significant others. Yeah, you, you know, what I mean? you met your uh, your special somebody in a church. Uh, there were bowling events. There were networking events, um, and you you you, you saw and, and and people knew what you were doing. And you know, yes, it could be a little annoying at times, but the reality is that. Maybe that's a good thing. No, people, well, I think the opposite. People looked forward to it. It was considered fun. You're not, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm saying that people knew the church, everyone else in your church would know about everyone else's lives. Oh, their business. And their business. Their and business. they might be up in their business, and that might be a little bit annoying at times. Oh, that, yes. But on the other hand, it might be a good thing, too. Like, it kept you on the straight and narrow. And I, I think there's something to that. There's a lot of things that people would do. If they didn't have a sense that somebody was watching. And, you know, what's the expression? Integrity is what you do when nobody is watching. But I, I don't think there is such a thing as integrity without God anyway. Yeah, well, they were and inviting, why would there be? They were inviting God into an ever greater part of their life to watch, to be with them, to be with God, yeah. to elevate every activity from the mundane to the to the, you know, sublime. And think about this, about going to the bathroom in prayer, right? After, at our age... A, a, a prostate exam that goes well or a heart scan that goes well, we say thank God, right? Right. Okay, so those are mm -hmm. one-year events. Let's consider that the equivalent of Yom Kippur, right? Right. So isn't every bathroom trip kind of like the Sabbath? Yeah, that's true. Right? This is the basic Sabbath, the ones a week, uh, you know, four times a day, and hopefully most cases in different versions. Well, we don't need to go too much in the bathroom. No, but I'm but just I'm saying, with everything working, all the plumbing working on your body... In this thing is like it's a, a miracle. Sabbath. It's a miracle, right? And then once a year, you check the big stuff, heart valves, arteries. Okay, so let, let, let's like say I, thank God too. All right, I want to get back to where we are. So that the bottom line is that everything is is God centered, and we have moved so far afield from the God centered institutions, and that that God is a part of this. We no longer speak that language. It's you know, and and sex. Uh, is such a such a one of the many frontiers, uh, I guess, battlegrounds on on that issue, right? You take out God from the equation, and you're going to get the sexuality that you're now seeing 
uh, among men and women, but but now the grooming of young children to perceive sex is just kind of a fun little thing, like like you would have in the same way that you would pursue uh, ice cream. Well, you would pursue your sex. They're trying to, and the same way they would, the, the Democrats would love to um, uh, decrease the voting age down to 15 in most states because or they would 12, you know. Yeah. Uh, 15 in most states in order to get more attention and more people. Now now they are doing the same thing in terms of the age of consent. Uh, and and the reasoning will, again, I don't want to get into it, Ari, but they are decreasing the age of consent or they want to, and they want to now kind of open up the world of sexuality to, to young kids. And and that is, you, you would never do such a thing if you truly understood that God is, is in charge of everything. You would never encourage that. It is so demonic. It is so dangerous for a young mind to open up uh, sexuality. It, there's nothing that robs him of his innocence more than introducing sexuality too early into his life. But that's what we're seeing. And I, and I, I found it fascinating when my friend said, like, are you, are you done yet? Can we now go back to, and try the old ways? Like, like I said, like we're going the wrong direction and let's do a U-turn and let's go back, right? But, but they don't even know that there is such a thing as a U-turn in this case. They don't even know that there's a, another side of the road, that there's another direction, or that, that there was a once was in the past. Interestingly, when people talk about the 50s and earlier, they talk about this repressive culture, like Pleasantville, like that, that's the movie that, that they would like you to think is, is the way it was and how women were so, in particular, frustrated. Um, it, you know, it's very interesting. You actually talk to people who lived in the 50s and earlier and remember their childhoods or their, even their 20s and 30s. They don't talk like that. No, they just talk about how clean everything was. They how talk about how clean it worked. was and how, how happy they were and yeah. how easygoing it was and, and how you could ride your bikes around at, late at night. Yeah, and, how much freedom there was, how there wasn't yeah. crime, how people could say what they wanted and people could disagree and have deep conversations. And Oh, oh hold on. And everyone was educated. Right. Everyone could read and write. And when someone wrote someone a letter, it was literature. On yeah. a postcard, right? You know, with with beautiful script writing, right? It, it was also it's also you know I mean we have historical documents even even the movies although they may be fictional most of them are fictional right they nevertheless reflected the culture as it was whether it's Leave It to Beaver or other movies yeah, uh, of the time Northwest yeah from the 50s. oh I love that yeah. it, and I and I just showed that to my kids recently and I said look especially to my daughter. Look at the way the ladies dressed at the time. And they loved dressing like that. It was really elegant. And the men dressed in suits and ties, and they wore hats. And it was, there was a certain elegance and a certain, a certain way of talking to each other. Hey, pal, how you doing? Um, you don't see that anymore. And, you know, that's a way of looking back in the past. And, and, and if a child is to see that, they would say, that was kind of cool. It sounded like they, they, they got to go in there. There's something about that. And no one's complaining about how repressive it was. Look, were there people who decided to feel repressed? Of course. Of course, there, are. there always are. There are people who feel repressed today in the yeah, year 2019. Yeah, like that kid at that school you were talking about. Yeah. That's repression. Yeah, that was true repression. But they didn't feel repressed. The, the, the majority of people didn't uh, walk around feeling as if some sort of uh, man was watching them or... Uh, you know, constantly repressing them. On the contrary, they had tremendous freedom. They had uh, ability to move around. And there was great growth and there was encouragement in business and otherwise. Inventions were uh, exploding. 
and ideas were exploding and culture was exploding. But there's still God in the picture. And uh, anyway, I think it's very sad yeah, did, that we don't even look back on it and see that that, was, that, that is now, that is still an option. Right. That we can did, still do a U-turn, yeah, as it were. And didn't those people just five, ten years before fight and defeat a war, defeat an enemy in war, who was the most repressive set of enemies ever? The right. Nazis, the fascists, the Japanese imperialists. Right. Talk about a repressive culture that this culture wanted nothing to do with. Yes, yes, exactly right. right. Yep, that's right. Uh, now, you said something really interesting. You talked about uh, that's why we need an apocalypse. I was thinking about this idea. Um, we've ta- we spend um, uh, some of our satyrs together. When there's a moment quasi-apocalyptic in the story. In fact, there's two or three and by that I mean where God actually shows himself directly to the people. Uh, one is the parting of the Red Sea. The other that comes to mind is the... Um, uh, it's okay. Um, uh, the, the delivery of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Right? Okay. So picture this. You're there. You see this happen in front of you. This will freak you the you-know-what out, right? I should. How do you spend the rest of your life enjoying anything after you just saw that? Right. It, whoa, right? You know, I mean, imagine the, the hellish fire that is going on on top of Mount Sinai where we're down here dancing around the golden calf, and then Moses shows up. Yeah. It ain't good, man, <laughs> right? The, okay, I know the sea parted, and the Egyptian army is there about to kill us, and the sea parted, and we can go through it. But let's say we get to the other side. First of all, we're now seeing the Egyptian army drowned and hearing the screams and all that. Not fun, you know, because they are human beings. And then how do we go through the rest of our lives after we saw that? So I think an interesting point for people like us to contemplate is, uh, you know there's that Amco commercial, I think, it, or Midas, one of those that says, you can pay a little now or a lot later, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, it. Mm-hmm. we can either turn the ship around without an apocalypse, or we won't, and there's going to be one. Right, I, I, that's, a, that's well and, said. That's well said. Uh, and here's, here's the, one of the issues, is that it begs the question, why aren't we turning it around, Right. Why aren't we even considering? Why aren't we are? People, Trump's there, <laughs> right? No, I understand. Why aren't we uh, considering the possibility of a U-turn to somewhere? We don't know where it is, even like because I, I think people have forgotten that God was even in the picture in the first place. But let's say you're a leftist and you don't know that God was ever in the picture. Surely you might say to yourself, look, I don't like this defecation in San Francisco, for example. And, you know, this poop is coming to a city near you, by the way. Uh, I don't like the homelessness problem, uh, you know, here in Los Angeles and and elsewhere. I I don't like, uh, you know, the the gang violence, the fact that my kids can't go out safely at night and so on. I don't like what they're teaching the schools sexually and everything else. Um, And so you would think they would say there must be an alternative answer to all this. And maybe they would say, well, what are those conservative guys talking about? You would think that, uh, that there's some sort of alternative to this, but they don't. And now, so here's the question. Why? And it's a rhetorical question, Ari. So I think that the reason why dovetails back to something that a very good friend of mine said once. People want to hear good news about their bad habits. 
it's very hard to change. Yeah. People don't like it. And it kind of answers your, your point about what happens when they got the Ten Commandments, right? They, they see, I mean, God has given Moses the Ten Commandments, who in turn shows it to the people, and they don't like it. Yeah. Right? And in perfect irony, he gives it to them and receives it at the very moment they've completely screwed up just before. Right. I mean, like, a, it's like a John Hughes movie about bad teenagers. Right. Right? No, it's, it's, it's a little bit like, I mean, forgive my crassness here, but you're like in the middle of uh, having a wild time in an orgy, no less, and you're just in the moment of a climax or whatever, and some guy says, uh, uh, Stop all this. And like, can I just finish? Yeah. I'm in the middle of something. <laughs> can like, you give me a minute? <laughs> so, but, but literally, the, the left is in the middle of all this, right? And like, right. they're having a damn good time. Uh, like, like, don't stop me now. I'm, ha- I'm having such a good time. Right. Fre- you know, Freddie Mercury from Queen. Yeah. And, and as I say in my book, Rise of the Sex Machines, you know what? Available on Amazon. Yeah. As I say in my book, you know what? Maybe somebody should have stopped him. Right? Maybe someone should We would have had Freddie Mercury still, you know, at right. the end of the day. But this don't stop me now. I'm having such a good time. Attitude is, is pervasive in the left. Because, you know, to, to contemplate whatever alternative... Any alternative, forget about God being the center of it, which I think is the only alternative at the end of the day, but any alternative would mean that they would have to stop what they're doing right now. Yeah. And that means uh, ebbing their lust uh, sexually, sexually um, ebbing their sense of laziness when it comes to you know getting jobs and everything else. Yeah. Ebbing their violence against people like us. Right. Right. Because to, to nothing straight. feels more orgasmic than the brutality of violence that you feel when you're righteous. Yeah. Uh, ignoring all the arguments that, uh, that, that basically, I mean, everything about free market capitalism contemplates hard work and individual rugged, uh, rugged, rugged individualism. Right. Right. Everything about it. And, and postponing your orgasmic pleasure until tomorrow. Yeah. And then that's tomorrow, right. Can you and imagine? Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... everything about it, I mean, who wants that? So the alternative. Whatever it is, whatever that U-turn might lead to, it's not going to be a world where they want to be at anymore because, you know, they're having such a good time, right? right? Don't stop me now. In their orgasmic, primitive, orgiastic violence. Yes. And yes, exactly yeah. right. And, and that is the, the concern I have is because we've gone down the road. And, I, you know, I could say I could make these loose metaphors of an addiction and we're overdosing and we're eventually going to – which is a fair – it's a fair metaphor. Right. But it's not complete. I, I, yeah, the, I just, it, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a tried and, and kind of overly worn metaphor. Yeah, it's a McCain Romney argument rather yes. than a, we're at war here. Yeah, <laughs> we know? are at war. Trump and, argument. But it's a, it's a reality distortion issue. And, you know, you and I look at these arguments that people make that somehow, for example, that Obama is, is responsible for today's economy, right? Okay, like, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. How insane that argument is! Uh, that somehow the reason yeah, for this the, is Obama's success. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it magically went from one percent growth uh, per year to three percent growth, you know, instantly because that's how because the racist stopped. stopped that's because Obama, because right? that's how Obama laid it up yes. for Trump right there. Here you go, yeah. sir. And now, just at the moment where things are going to be three percent, I give you the reins, sir. You know, uh, right, as if. You That's know, I, such fuzz, Your specific wording right there is so funny because you made a basketball analogy and encompassed 
what the left would consider, you know, all that white man can't jump thing. Right. So Obama, the black man who played basketball, oh, I see. has laid up a perfect thing. So Trump, who actually elevate and dunk. And dunk, yeah. Right. That's right. He's, he's, he's just, you know, teed it up right there for, for, pre, for President Trump. I mean, it's so funny. Like, and, and never mind that the reason for the disaster in 2008 was because of Democrat policies. But, you know, they don't want to look at their past. They never, they never are interested in looking at the past. They never look, they're never interested in looking at whether or not their policies even work, whether that's affirmative action, rent control, minimum wage, homelessness, uh, homelessness crime. Every single thing that they present as a, as a solution has failed. Oh but, yeah, Al Baghdadi, Syria, ISIS. Yes, yeah. that's right. The way to, the way to handle ISIS at the very least. Yeah. China. Yeah. Every single thing has is a failed policy, and and so, I mean, look, I I like to 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 ask whether things work, um, and and if they don't, then I figure they don't work, and there must be some other answer to it, and and look, you know, I I I go on the lecture circuit now for my book, Rise of the Sex Machines. And I give speech after speech, and I notice sometimes that some particular argument is not as effective as other arguments. I take note, <laughs> and I say, okay, that does not seem to resonate with the people, or at least I need to explain it differently. So you let failure modify your future behavior? Yes, exactly. If I don't Like a speculative capitalist. Yes, exactly right. So, And that's the way it is. But... For for them, the left, it's you know, failure is a very funny animal over there. I I don't uh, capitalism by definition, yeah, by definition, <laughs> by definition, capitalism seeks truth, right? Because does this product work, right? Are people buying it? And if it if they're not buying it, then it's called a failure, right? You you wouldn't just say, well, now you, I don't care that you don't like it. You still have to buy this eight track tape, for example, yeah. right? It's a total failure. Uh, but nevertheless, I demand that you do it. I, but I don't want it. I don't care. Buy it. That's the way you're going to hear music from now on. Uh, and, and it's not good quality or anything else. Just buy it. And so on it goes with, with so many different kind of uh, arguments um, uh, when, it, when it's policy or otherwise. They just expect you to buy it. So homelessness requires more building. Well, never mind that that doesn't work. It only invites more homelessness. Minimum wage actually ends up killing jobs, but never mind. You know, it feels good to make people talk about living wages. Affirmative action creates more racism and actually hurts the very people that, that it's intended to help. But never mind. We need more affirmative action. I mean, it's, it's a, it, it, they do not learn from the past, but they do not even consider an alternative past yeah, the entire pub, time. Public transportation systems in Los Angeles cause even more traffic, and then they propose ever more public solutions to handle the traffic jams uh, Right, cause. very well said. Okay, that's exactly yeah. right. So we, we don't learn, and um, I don't know. I, I'm seeing this now when it comes to the impeachment issue with Trump, and it's, I'm dovetailing slightly to what's happening in the impeachment talks. Look, it's all nonsense. We see it. You and I see it right away that there's absolutely nothing there. The quid pro quo uh, argument is so silly. Uh, I mean, they, they say, how dare you demand that Ukraine... Uh, resolve that, that, that Ukraine resolve its corruption issues before you give them money. Like, 
uh, you and I are thinking like, and that's wrong because <laughs> because why? Right. <laughs> right. So they say wrong how? They, they you know. So that's of course that's the way it is. I mean, we've been doing that for for decades, and that's in fact that's what we want. Do we want to give? Money to uh, organizations, regardless of, of how corrupt they may <laughs> how, be. How they behave, yeah. Really? Are you serious? And this, this oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. And and so, but and then Warren and Bernie Sanders and others say that they want to tie aid to Israel based upon what they do with the settlements and Hamas and you know and so right. on. Quid pro quo. Isn't that a quid pro quo? I was about to say that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, exactly. So, the very weak. The very weak. The exactly very right. Weak. Like, but I forget. That's right. Israel is always an exception, right? When, when it comes to Israel, we get to crap on Israel as much as possible. Yeah. But that's another story. But they, they just, you know, and, and another thing about the whole impeachment thing that's going on right now, or the impeachment inquiry, as they correctly uh, should define it, uh, is that there's no looking to the past of, of all this stuff. Now, people are talking about it as if it's the first time that they try to, try to freeze out Donald Trump. They did that with the Russian collusion nonsense, the obstruction nonsense that followed it, uh, the financial improprieties uh, allegations against Trump, uh, the uh, the summer what what are the Stormy Daniels uh, nonsense as well? Yeah, the emoluments, the Stormy Daniels, yeah. the Avenatti, and I mean Michael Cohen. It, yeah, Michael Cohen. But it's it's so interesting. The bottom line is, and we haven't had a chance to talk about this directly because you've been gone. The only reason this is happening is it's a um, opposition research gathering mechanism. That's it. And it's also a white flag because it's the admission by the Democrat Party that we have no chance of winning next year. And I mean no, <laughs> no chance of winning. All right. Because, yeah, no, I'm serious because you don't do this if you've got a great candidate who's holding, you know, 30,000 people rallies in every city and they're chanting the name and there's a, a clear front runner or group of front runners who are enthusiastically being praised by a plurality of the population. Yeah, they have nothing. So all they're doing is this for opposition research purposes. It's not a real impeachment anyway. But what you just said is so brilliant because, okay, you just had the Mueller, whatever that was, right. nothing burger, that took $30 million, about teams, armies of Clinton lawyers, and they can't find anything. And three weeks later, oh, we got it. It's right. over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He had a phone call and this. Right. And, and, and they, he, didn't, they didn't expect for a moment that he would actually order the, the release of that transcript <laughs> and just to kind of, kind of deflate the whole thing. Yeah. And, and you, you know, have it, in hindsight now. admitting to doing the same thing he's accused yeah, of. Oh, it's, of course. <laughs> it's absurd. And, and, and actually doing it. And that's doing the thing. It. Yeah. Uh, you know, in hindsight, and I don't want to d drill down on this, but in hindsight, maybe it would have been better if Trump had just kind of let them kind of sue a lot and then release the transcript, release the transcript, and he goes, Absolutely. After like two months of this nonsense, only to find out that there's really nothing in there, and then they'll say, you know, I mean, what would what would happen at that point? So, but instead, he released it right away, which is kind of good. I, I like that aspect of him. Anyway, we'll see. Um, look, so the impeachment nonsense now is it's the same thing, and and I'm just I'm so interested in the mind of not the politicians like um, like Schiff. Schiff. And Pelosi, because they're all about power, and and they are just doing what leftist politicians do, which is doing everything they can to maneuver and position so that they can eventually get 
their power and re-election and, and improve their base and, and, of course, nominate and get elected. Uh, many, many more Democrats. Yeah. I get that. But I'm, I'm more interested in, as always, in the effect that it has on the electorate. I'm interested in that particular Democrat who has voted Democrat all of his life or her life and wondered uh, and, and seeing all this happening. And, 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 and he or she is not a polit- uh, you know, an actual politician of any kind, just, is just watching from the sidelines and is just kind of rubbing his or her chin and saying, hmm, hmm, I wonder why they are doing this and why, why this madness. And I wonder if they think whether they're buying this claptrap. I'm not talking about the true believers like we have a lot of true believer friends. No, we're not talking about activists or true believers. We're talking about the average person. And I would add to that example, and they're living in a city like ours or the one 300 miles to our north, and they're seeing needles and piles of defecant and homelessness and medieval diseases and electrical outages and no brush clearance. And they're saying to themselves, aren't there things on the ground that need your attention here more yeah. than yeah. trying to essentially steal a portion of an election next year? You see, but, but that goes, and it goes full circle now to yeah. our main... I mean, our, that expects people, like you said, not to be living in the delusional, hallucinatory world of their nonsense. Right. Well, but here's the point, and, and yes, exactly right. Thank you for saying that. The point is, and it goes back full circle to the beginning of what we were saying, is that they don't even see... They don't see that there's a U-turn, and they hope that you don't see that there's a U-turn. <laughs> yeah. So the Adam Schiss and the Pelosi's and, and everyone like them, they... They want you to think that there's no other solution and no other direction than the direction that they are going in. Yeah. That's, that's what's fascinating. And I think, I think that the average voter, even the average liberal, and I, I don't mean leftist, but the average liberal voter who is, you know, uh, you know, even a little bit involved in politics, is beginning to see this. I, we, you and I have too many friends in common. At, at, as parents in the school and otherwise, because we, we both have kids in a Jewish day school that tends to be liberal, but surprisingly is, is kind of half and half now. But we see our liberal friends now kind of rubbing their chins and saying, yeah. I'm no longer uh, associated with this Democrat yeah. party. And it's, it's been very interesting because they were otherwise very passionate people for Hillary Clinton. And now they're seeing it. And, and, and you, in order for them to vote Democrat in 2020... They would have to believe that there is no U-turn at all, that there's no other way of looking at solving the world's uh, and this country's uh, problems than the way that the Democrats propose them. Yeah. And, and I think people resent that. Right. And maybe 2020, and remember, the, the, the challenges are always cultural, not... Uh, political. Political just reflects the cultural change. And the political change can reflect a cultural change 10 years later. Yeah. Um, but, like, all, I have a lot of the same friends that we're talking about, many of Mutual whom friends, are, right? are Democrats. Yep. And I never argue politics with them, but I'll say something like, hey, do you want a straw? I got a straw <laughs> right here. It's plastic. It's really good. There was a Prager yeah. U video, a spoof video, where they, they were presenting straws, you know, on like the inside of, of, of coats and like, hey, come over here. And they put you in the back alley and you got, you got the, uh, the good stuff. Yeah. Straws, right. blue. And good. Say, I, got, I got curly plastic straws, man. Yeah, the bendable ones. Yeah, exactly. For the, for the, for the handicapped. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, I'll say this to people who are friends and they'll roll their eyes and go, I know. 
And I'll say it to people I don't know at the coffee place I go or Creation Organic. Both are in Santa Monica. So you can imagine the demographics. And they'll roll their eyes and go, I know. So I think they're much more persuadable than they have been in the past to seeing reality in a cultural sense. And they might not be ready to vote for Trump. They might not be ready to vote against Democrats. Because when you go into the ballot box... A lot of collective memories come flooding back to you that allow you to engage in a muscle memory activity that's comfortable where you might not be processing all this outside information. I remember the first time I voted Republican was a, a kind of a humdinger for myself. And they might not be there yet politically, but they're getting there culturally. And Trump is such a awesome warrior whose personality might just be too much for them to handle at this point for their fragile eggshell minds. Fine. So they can't reverse politically at the moment, but they are reversing culturally. But there is one thing that's happening that I was thinking of that's a big moment. I was thinking for many years, how powerful it would be if, and you'll know where I'm going with this in a second, how powerful it would be if someone with the pull of a Jay-Z or a uh, Ice Cube, you know, a famous rap star, taught math. You know, these kids listen to his raps and they can memorize every intricate word. Imagine if he taught algebra. Well, we finally have a rapper doing that. And you know what I'm talking about. His name is Kanye. And he's doing and he's awesome. a he's really Jesus awesome. revival tour. I know, I know. And, and whether it's perfect orthodoxy or not, who cares? God is God. And if you just get people to approach God in little degrees when they've been Well, at so least it opens the door to God. That's right. the point. And then saying, what? Uh, okay, now why is my man Kanye West so into God? Maybe I'm interested in learning about it. Maybe I won't end up there, but at least it, it, it reveals the U-turn, right? Yeah. And that's the cool thing is. about it. Look, Trump and, is a political U-turn. Kanye, is in that sector, right. is a... Uh, ecclesiastical U-turn, and they will both result someday yeah, in a major yeah. political U-turn. Yeah, I agree. When the people around here see the piles of feces and connect it to that, here's what I'd like governance. to see. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more Candace Owens out there, a lot more Brandon Strakas, a lot more uh, you know people of, of this ilk who are. And I don't give a crap whether it's gay or black or anything else. Just the average, ordinary person. Candace Owens was such a person. Uh, working for the Democrats, no less. Brandon Strucker was just a you know, regular mouthpiece for the Democrats uh, and crying when Clinton lost. And now look where he is. Uh, and he's, he's so found his voice. And he has seen... Not he has seen the U-turn. He's seen the the, 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 the right the direction. It's a little bit yeah. like like that movie uh, Beauty and the Beast. At least the way that Disney portrayed it, it came out in the '90s. And there's a, a funny scene there where the father wants to take a path, and he and he's got two choices. One one is a very nice, shiny and sunny path, right? And then, and then, and then, then there's another sign that says shortcut, and it's, and it's a very dark, and the, all the trees are, you know, are dead, and and there's spooky sounds coming out of it, and, and the horse, of course, knows that this is not a good path to go down to, and he's making the the neighing sounds and everything else, and the father still says, "I oh, know we're going to take the shortcut," and of course it leads to disaster at the end of the day, but. 
But what if you don't even see the bright and shiny path? What if you don't see that there's a sunny uh, future ahead of you or that there was a different, an alternative U-turn, so to speak? And I think that's what it is for a lot of, a lot of Democrats. But now, because of Trump, because of Kanye West, to use your example, uh, and people like this, we're beginning to see that there is a U-turn uh, going on here that is just wonderful. We're going to have a big, big change. I, I think you're right, Ari, that there's, I wouldn't say that there's a 0% chance that Trump will uh, not be reelected. Uh, but I will say that the odds of him being reelected are very high. Uh, I predict his, that he will be reelected, and handsomely so. Uh, but be precisely because people are beginning to say, all right, this is enough. Now, we might need an apocalypse at the end of the day. Uh, this is, you know, going back to where we began this podcast. We just might very well need one because if they can't see that we are headed for ruin, if we nominate, uh, sorry, if we actually elect a Democrat president, at least among these, th this batch of clowns that are now running, uh, then we are truly doomed. And we would need an apocalypse after all. God pray. Uh, let, let us pray to God that that never be the case. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk with you next week.